You are listening to the Life Community Church Sermon Podcast. Life Community is a church for the city, making much about the name of Christ. This podcast is available through all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. If you enjoy and are challenged by our teaching, we invite you to subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you choose as we seek to anchor ourselves to the unchanging truth of God's Word together. Thanks for listening. turn to James 3 today, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, so feel free to go there digitally or in your printed Bible. So glad that you are here today. You've chosen to be with us today. We're thankful for that. I just wanted to uh, compel some gratitude to you. This has been a, obviously a different season in our lives, uh, but in that season, the, this church has remained faithful. Our giving has not seen any sort of dramatic decrease. Actually, our giving has gone up in this time. And so our hearts are just grateful for you and God's faithfulness to us. And so thank you for that. Uh, and by the way, since we've done these services, can I just commend you? Like, your children are incredible. And just know that, like, you're not going to distract me. Like, I dealt with high school kids for over a decade. And so a little screech here and there is not going to throw me off. So I'm glad that you are here today. Just wanted to let you know that. Uh, we've been established, we just have this, this COVID response team, and we've partnered with about a dozen different churches, and uh, God's just using it. We're up to 50 home-cooked meals that are being made by various different churches in the area, and we're delivering those to people who are in need, and we have people who are taking those meals repeatedly and growing in relationship with those people who are in need. So just thank you for your, um, your participation. If you're interested in knowing more about that, you can talk to me or Tara after service, and we can tell you how you can get in that. So let's just jump into the Word today. Let's jump into James 3. We're going to start in verse 13. Out of the ESV version. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, let him show his works in meekness, in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we just pray that your word would cut through our hearts. Your word is authoritative, it is sharper than a two-edged sword, but yet it is compassionate and kind, and there is flourishing wisdom in that. And so we, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work in sync with the word to bring conviction into our lives where it needs to be, and power through your gospel where we need it. And Lord, take my words that are meager at explaining this idea of meekness, that your spirit would bring power to those words by you and not through me to guide us into your wisdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a man named James Upton Dixon, and he he wrote this book called The Power of Cower. 
it's, it's a book about the power of being a coward. Uh, probably sounds like a great read for many of you, right? Not really. But he also established this group, supposedly, of submissive people called doormats. And it's an acronym that stood for Dependent Organization of Really Meek and Timid Souls. Maybe it's a secret organization. Maybe you're involved with doormats and I don't know about it. But they have a slogan that says, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth as long as that's okay with everybody. And if not, we'll go home, all right? And they have a symbol that is a yellow caution light, a yellow traffic light. This is sort of the idea that we take on meekness, on gentleness. This is the world's idea of what we hold as one of the products of living by the Spirit that we're discussing today in gentleness or meekness that we find in Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23, that says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That Spirit has benefits or evidence that flow out of our life that we call fruit. And today, we are examining this word called meekness. And in the Greek, the word is prootes. And prootes is used in the Bible to denote mildness of disposition or an inner mildness or a generosity or gentleness in spirit, meekness. And there are many scholars who believe that this idea, this word prootes, is the hardest word in Greek to translate into English because we don't have the word to fully describe its full meaning. And so we're going to talk about gentleness, but we're going to define it as the word meekness because it is often translated into that word. And meekness really describes what this attribute of the Spirit is. And so this is what grows in our lives as we live and abide and remain in the Spirit. We focus on Christ. And so meekness is full of compassion. It's full of consideration for others. It's humility. It's mildness. But yet it has a strength. It's submissive, but yet it has a strength. But it's not a strength that comes through determination or coercion. It's a strength that comes through restraint and temperance. We have been taught societally a different narrative of what meekness is. It's not something that we value of any great esteem. In fact, we often say that meekness is weakness. That it's not something to be edified or to be esteemed, but it's actually something to laugh at. You know, employers aren't looking through their employee index and searching for people who might bring meekness into the workplace. They're not saying, hey, Bill, hire Jim so we can have a little meekness on the floor. Because we think meekness is about people being run over, doormats. And this is what J. Upton Dixon kind of compels, this idea of cowardice of passivity, of people being walked over. That is our idea. We believe that meekness as a quality of people is spineless and soft. And so we don't celebrate it. We don't esteem it because we have to have control and we need to be in charge. That's kind of our motto in life. Therefore, we don't have any idea what meekness is. And we have even very fewer examples of of what meekness looks like in action. And so what we like to celebrate societally is people of action, people who take the bull by the horn, people who make great changes in the world. They have 
become masters over their own domain. They take no prisoners, ones who have climbed the corporate ladder or the ladder of success, people who show exuberant energy and leadership. We love to celebrate those ideas, and we tend to read books about people who are successful and how they got successful so we can figure out the things that we do and don't do so we can achieve our own goals and our headlines and our news cycle is not full of demonstrations and displays of meekness. We have an evolutionary lens that says it's survival of the fittest. We have a modern capitalistic society that says it's about being first. And the ends are more important than the means to which we accomplish those things. But what does Jesus say? But what does Jesus say about meekness? If we open our gospel to the Matthew, the gospel of Matthew to chapter 5, we'll find the greatest sermon that's ever been delivered. In Matthew 5, we, we see the Sermon on the Mount. And it has the greatest opening phrases in the history of the world. They're called the Beatitudes. And Jesus, in the Beatitudes, in chapter 5, verse 5, says, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Here's that word. For they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meekness. Really, meekness. That's what is inherited. That is what is full in people who will be in the kingdom. What a statement from our King, our Savior, that it will be meekness that will inherit the coming kingdom of God when Jesus Christ returns and judges the world and establishes his everlasting kingdom. Meekness will be abundant in God's new and regenerated and perfect kingdom on earth. And what is sobering about that idea of meekness being the trade of those who inherit the earth, is it runs so counter to what we believe culturally, as we just talked about. But not only that, it runs counter to what we teach as a church sometimes. It runs counter to what we believe, what it means to be a Christian. Maybe we are raised to believe that Christianity is about being a good person about achieving morality, about looking virtuous, about appearing to be clean-cut and proper. We do these things as Christians, and we don't do these things as Christians, and we need to figure out how to do those things. We call that moralism, where the Bible becomes a list of instructions. And it is true that many have taught that, whether they know it or not. I know that I have taught that in certain elements in my life. And maybe we've been raised to believe that there is something different about those who inherit the kingdom of God besides meekness. Maybe we've not been raised to believe that it's blessed are the meek. Maybe we've been raised to believe somewhere along the lines that it's blessed are those who don't do sinful and bad things publicly to look righteous for their the kingdom, for theirs is the kingdom of God. There are generations that are full of believers that have been focused on achieving moral perfectionism only to find the trappings of guilt and shame destroying their life. Guilt and shame because as good as I want to be and as good as I want to do, I cannot do it. And the things that I don't want to do and the things that I don't want to be, I find that I want those things. And it's not me that is alone in those sentiments. One of the heroes of our faith, the Apostle Paul, writes to the Romans and says, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, want to do, I do not do, and what I hate to do, I do. For I don't do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I do. And so, friends, this is why it will be the meek that inherit the earth. 
Because being good is an illusion that is propagated and elevated by the self-righteous to make themselves appear better. In the parable of the rich young ruler that we find in the Gospels, there's this young rich man that comes to Jesus and says, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus looks at him and he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. And then he goes and tells this rich young ruler to sell all that he has and give it to the poor. Because Jesus knows this isn't about a doing issue. This is a heart issue. We were created by a good God in a good creation where God said when he looked at us that it was very good, but we are in rebellion and in broken in sin We have the capacity to do good because we are created in the image of God, but we are not good, and we are not good because we love sin. God is the standard of goodness, and that is a standard that we will never reach through our own efforts. That is why moralism is so destructive, because it teaches that I can do something to change God's opinion of me. It is so dangerous because we are incapable of being good according to God and his standards. But meekness is different. Meekness doesn't evaluate myself on my accolades, on my accomplishments, on what I do. Meekness evaluates itself on one thing, what Jesus Christ has done for me. It doesn't matter what I do, it's about what I've done. And we find this in a parable in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18 about a a Pharisee and a tax collector. And it goes like this in Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, which is a religious ruler of the day, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, tax collectors would be despised in this age. He would not even look, lift his eyes to heaven, but beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Pharisee boasted in himself, in his action, how he looked, as if justification could be earned through what we did and how we looked. But the tax collector has a right estimate of himself, of who God is, and what God must do for him. He is meek because meekness at his most basic level is a proper understanding of who I am, who God is, and what he has done for me. Meekness is the right understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And A.W. Tozer, who's wiser than any of us in this room, he, he wrote this about meekness. He says that the meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is weak and helpless as God declared him to be. 
But paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God more important than the angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. Meekness is not weakness. It is the resolve to recover within the life that God has always designed me to live by. Not through my own power, not through my own effort, but a humbling understanding of just how amazing our God is and what he has done for us. It's the right measure of God's love and sacrifice and mercy and grace and wisdom compared to myself in a life that lives by faith according to that standard. And so I, I just want to sort of communicate three ideas that I... Meekness is such a difficult idea for us to understand because there's so much baggage. I want you to give us three thoughts that I think will hopefully elevate right understanding here. And so number one is this, that meekness is a lack of self-pride and self-concern. Hard to define because of all of its baggage that meekness is weakness, but it's easier to understand when we know that the opposite of meekness is pride. Pride is devastating for a life of faith. Pride elevates myself, in my opinions, over God. Meekness is about shedding the habits of putting myself first in nearly everything. And it does that because it has grown to understand that it is me in my heart that is most harmful to myself and my life and others. In our rebellion, we have chosen ourselves over God. And it is God's love and mercy that has rescued from that, us from that. Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote in the book Jeremiah, obviously, in chapter 17, verse 9, he says that the heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? We don't know what's best for us. And we fool ourselves to think that we do. And time and time again, we say things like, this time is going to be different. I'm going to be different this time. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that we do is evil. It just means that there is nothing in me, in thought, in action, in heart, in deed, that doesn't need the loving attention and grace and wisdom and mercy of Jesus Christ. There is nothing in me that doesn't need to be examined by God. And so meekness considers God and his wisdom first. What would Christ do? And how would Christ do this? Because that's where true wisdom lies. He is the author of wisdom. James wrote earlier that in what we read, by his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. And what James is saying is that the evidence of people who have true wisdom is meekness. Meekness is the evidence of true wisdom. They are a people who have realized that true wisdom isn't earthly and it's not internal. It's spiritual and otherworldly and it's better than mine. You know, if you would go uh, to Disney World for the first time, how silly, okay, how silly would it be just to show up with a ticket in hand and just wing it? And I know I'm saying that because there are probably, there are probably people in the room that did that. And so I'm not demeaning you, but you might have a great time, but you would miss an incredible amount of stuff that would be for your joy. But imagine if you knew somebody who worked at Disney, or imagine if you knew Ross Frank, who's a closet Disney fanatic, or even imagine this, you knew the creator, you knew Walt Disney himself, 
And you called him and you said, we're coming to Disney World for the first time. Can you help us make plans? Do you suppose that you would find a fuller experience in that park? You would. That's meekness. I'm going to trust you who knows more, who has more, who, who guides me. And as a Christian, that is the posture we take with God. You created it. You designed it. You sustained it. You never have a beginning. You never have an end. You always remained. I'm going to trust you over myself. I'm going to get out of the way, meekness, and trust you in this situation. The second idea in meekness is this, is that meekness is the humility to be teachable. It's the humility to be teachable. I love Proverbs. They're, they're blunt, which I sometimes need some bluntness in my life. And in Proverbs 26, in verse 12, it says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. There's more hope for a fool than for him. You know, we live in a Google generation. And at the touch of our fingers, we can know everything there is to know about all the wonders of the world. And there are some good things in that. But there is an enormous amount of arrogance and pride that comes with that. Because who are the experts anymore today? Who are the experts anymore? What qualifies them anymore? Because people who have spent decades in university studying specific topics are now just as equal as the guy who read a couple articles and now has an opinion. I read a story about an epidemiologist. Uh, an epidemiologist is somebody who, who traces the source of diseases. He finds the source of those things and, and how they pattern themselves. And in February, when all of this coronavirus started to get elevated, he was like, finally, <laughs> a decade of school, my time. I can be helpful only to see himself get plowed over by the wisdom because nobody wanted to listen to him. And so listen, meekness is about being a person that knows their own limitations and knows their own flaws. Just because we can read it on Google doesn't make us an expert. We, through the Spirit of God, constantly need to be evaluating what we believe and why we believe it by the standard of God's Word. There are many things that we believe, that we believe that God said them, but the truth is we believe them, and we believe them because people said that God said them. And so we have to have meekness and humility to admit that I'm wrong in front of God. God, I was wrong about this. And to seek him and trusted believers on earth in combination with his word to grow in good doctrine and good truth. And it takes meekness to do that. It takes meekness. James wrote in that chapter, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I think that we need to be careful about growing crusty and calloused and rigid in our opinions and our beliefs, but we need to earnestly seek the Lord with a teachable spirit because we get things wrong, and I am wrong, and meekness desires one thing solely, and it is to be right according to God and God alone. And so meekness is a humility to be teachable by the Spirit of God. And thirdly, meekness is strength under control. 
It's strength under control. There is no greater person that exhibits the qualities of meekness than the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says this about himself in Matthew 11. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. That word gentle is meek. Paul writes about Jesus in 2 Corinthians. He says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. And what we know about Jesus Christ is he the, he's the fullness of God in flesh, the full radiance of God in flesh. And at any moment, he could have used his power to elevate himself, to promote himself, to create anything that he wanted to create. He could have killed his enemy. He could have killed those who killed him. But Jesus shows restraint to be a servant for all. He never used his power to benefit himself. He deferred his power to be a servant, to show other people the love of God. That is meekness. That is strength under control. And so real strength is the ability not to lash out in anger, even though somebody deserves it. Real strength is saying, I'm sorry, and I was wrong to people whom we might not like. It is real strength to give somebody something that we really want. It is real strength to not lean into my emotions, but lean into the gospel and show real love and concern for somebody. Real strength isn't control. It's not manipulation. Real strength isn't putting somebody in their place. Real strength isn't gossiping to build a team so they know how bad this person is. Real strength isn't avoidance. Real strength comes with not treating people as they deserve, but treating people as Christ has treated me. That is meekness. Meekness is a strength that comes from knowing how good and loving God has been to me. And that frees me up to practice love with everyone always. Real strength says I could or I can, but it doesn't mean that I should. Real strength chooses to glorify the peace that Christ has given to me through meekness. And so these are three thoughts in meekness. Meekness is a lack of self-pride and self-concern. Meekness is the humility to be teachable. Meekness is the strength, is strength under control. Let us understand this virtue that we may know it. But most importantly, let us remember that meekness is not something I'm asking you to try harder in. I'm not asking you to achieve it or pretend it. Meekness becomes increased in our lives when we remember and we reflect and we abide and we remain in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who did for us what we could not by absorbing our punishment for sin, by giving us a righteousness that is not our own, by gifting us grace in abundance, and adopting us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our story is a story of being loved in the Son, and we cultivate meekness by focusing and remaining in not what we do, but what He has done. Picture a man who is self-opinionated and self just overbearing. Perhaps there's somebody in your workplace that is like them. 
Perhaps there's somebody in your family that is like them, a person that just throws their weight around and is short-tempered and demanding. He is always insisting on his own way, and it's pointless to have a conversation with them because you know that everything's going to go the way they want to. Now suppose, suppose he were to see his own spiritual poverty. Suppose he was to see his own spiritual poverty before God. Suppose he were to see before God how empty-handed he is. Suppose that would lead him to see that he has sin and many sin. What would be the result of that? If this should happen to him, meekness would surely follow. When I see my own sin, I'm kinder and gentler towards the sins of others. Not because we are self-deprecating, but because we have come to see the enormity of God's forgiveness and God's love and mercy, and we love nothing more highly in our life than that. And so let us be a people that seek the Lord, that he would reveal to us an accurate understanding of who we are and a bigger definition of who he is, and that we would pray that he would reveal through his gentleness our sins and celebrate the amazing grace that our Lord gives to us and has loved us with. That is how we cultivate meekness. Because it is not about being good, because goodness is an illusion. Meekness is a proper understanding of what God has done for me. It is a proper understanding of the gospel of Christ and what it affords me. And we need to be a people that display meekness as a fruit. It's a crucial time in our history. I'm so thankful that God has put us in the fruit of the Spirit. We need to be a people that cultivate His peace in the world. Not that we don't hold good doctrine, and not that we don't hold good truth, but that we understand that we are loved in the Son. Would you pray with me? Father, we confess that meekness is such a foreign idea because it's not readily esteemed in our culture. We are a culture that's predicated on strength and power and dominance, of being first. And the idea of putting something above ourselves is laughed at. But Lord, you don't laugh at us. Lord, you're wiser than us, and you're better than us. But you choose to see us as more important than the angels. And so, Father, we, we just pray that you would help us to not define ourselves by the things that we do, but that we would richly abide in the things that you have done for us, that we would trust you increasingly in our lives to guide us in your wisdom, and that we would not nothing else, Father, than your love and your grace and your mercy, and that we would show meekness to the world because we have a power that is greater than the world, but you have given us restraint to love people as a servant, that they may come to know your loving kindness and repent. And so, Father, we pray boldly in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, for these things. Amen.